When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. episode of horror movie night this week we are talking about your next as picked by brian hey brian come on down you are killing it this year oh yeah jerk goes off into <laughs> you? your mouth you'll understand that in the video you uh, never brian, finish so it goes without saying but why did you pick your next honestly why i picked it was i was trying to pick like bangers and I was like, man, I really wished your next, or I really, see, I keep getting confused. I'm like, man, I really wish Ready or Not was 10 years old. Cause like that's the Me too. Have. And then, and then yeah, like yeah. for some reason I went from like, man, Ready or Not kind of gives me your next vibes. And I went and looked and lo and behold, 10 years ago it was made like on the dot. Yeah. And I was like, boom, that's it. So we have to wait t- 10 years. 10 years. We have to, yeah. Oh, we, we have to wait. We have to we, wait nine years. Or no, eight years, dude. Yeah. Eight years. June 17th, 2019 is when Ready or Not the trailer came I'll out. I'll only so be that's... 43. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Let's... All right, guys. <laughs> but... Eight years. Let's get ready. Yeah, that's when our comedy declines, but us talking about boobs increases. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is, is such a thing possible? <laughs> I want to bring up two things real quick. First of all, 
absolutely love the casting of Ty West as a pretentious filmmaker in this movie for a couple minutes. What character is he? Ty West? He's the filmmaker that gets shot with the arrow through the throat in the beginning of the dinner party. Oh, wow. I didn't know that was Ty West, but that makes this movie so much <laughs> yeah. better. It's only my second watch, and I I, um, I didn't yeah. even look at who's in it, except I was like, oh, hey, Larry Fassenden. Like, I'm like, hey, that ugly yeah. guy, you know? Like, you but I, I, that's that's the extent of me looking at who's in it besides like knowing that Barbie Crampton is in it. So I learned a new genre phrase researching this movie, which is mumble gore. There was a film movement in the later part of the 2000s, I want to say like 2007 to like 2012, and it was called Mumblecore. And the idea of Mumblecore was movies like, not so much like eighth grade, mid 90s, like those types of movies, I think kids would even fall into like the Mumblecore genre of like, they're really quick, cheap movies where like you barely even have a script and you're kind of just letting the actors like, just have open dialogue. Oh, oh, and Grave Encounters. Well, Grave Encounters is slightly different. No, this, this, here, this is a lot. This is a bullshit concept that you're that you're espouting. Like, I know that you didn't make it up, but whoever made it up is laughing their balls off on eight chan right now, being like, "People think this is real." <laughs> yeah. So there was this thing called Mumblecore. <laughs> I'm still gonna continue because there was filmmakers that like joined together on it. So like. Mark and Jay Duplass, they did like uh, the the League TV yeah. series. And then you've got like Greta Gerwig, like Lady Bird is considered like a mumblecore really? movie. So you've got those guys. But then the horror genre always has to come and co-opt it. Of course. So the horror genre started doing it, but they called it mumble gore, where it was like, we're making horror movies where we barely have a script. So some of the horror movies are, of course, stuff like The Innkeepers. And uh, this yeah, was no. considered a mumble gore movie. There was a very loose script, but it was mostly like, hey, it's a bunch of friends and we're going out in the woods and we're just going to shoot a movie. And like, this is the basic idea for the movie and action. So it has to and be And they shot that. it quick and dirty. So like Judd Uptown doesn't count, but Kirby Enthusiasm does count because their scripts are yeah. just scenes. Yeah, like okay. it's Drinking Buddies was like a one of the more, Jeff Who Lives at Home was a mumblecore movie. Like it's quick and dirty. You're just doing the scene, you're shooting the scene, you're letting the people kind of do their thing and then you move to the next thing. It's like, however quickly and cheaply you can do it. So hey, was Lady Bird her first movie? I believe so. So how? Like, because I'm terrible <laughs> at writing dialogue. If I could write a mumblecore movie, it'd be great. You know, I understand where Larry David's like, I have all the success, so I'm going to do the show with my friends that I know are great improvists and boom. So here's, but your first script doesn't have lines. So I'm going to real quickly, because they have, they have the list here right now. So these are the movies that have been, like the directors have referred to them as part of the mumblecore genre. So you've got Murder Party. Yep. I'm just going to do the ones that we've heard of. Mumble Party or Murder Party, um, <laughs> the house, the the House of the Devil, yep. Frozen, um, the Innkeepers, Your Next, VHS, The Battery, Ugh. Cheap Thrills, Ugh. Blue Ruin, The Sacrament, oh, Creep, so Starry Eyes, Ugh. Late Phases, The Ritual, After Midnight, and Renapal are all really? movies that they, apparently yeah i don't know i mean i was with you because every single one of those that i am probably gonna get absolutely destroyed for on the group for being like eh or Ugh, you know like it's because i i hate movies without like uh you know some sort of point most of those are they yeah mumble core is the dumbest shit in the world and it, it frustrates yeah. and upsets me that those movies got made 
when we'll never have money to make a movie where we care. You know, so I I pulled up the wiki page just to give me a full description here. So the distinguishing characteristics of mumblecore naturalism in both the performance and the dialogue is a key feature of all the films. They tend to use non-professional actors, although many have later become professional actors. Many of the mumblecore films are predominantly using improvisation and or the care the cast all share screenplay writing credits. They also are generally produced for an extremely low budget, ranging from a few thousand dollars to under a million. Filming is done in all real places instead of sound stages or sets many of them are shot digitally although a few have been shot directly to film and the soundtracks tend to be limited or non-existent they also tend to revolve around characters in their 20s or early 30s who are usually single white and fairly aimless in their professional and personal lives plots often concern differences in romantic relationships or characters inabilities to articulate their desires so i could see how like most of your next checks those overall boxes yeah yeah Yeah. the thing the thing about your next that okay so let me get my criticism out of the way and then we can talk about the fun stuff okay so listeners i like this movie guys (laughs) i like this movie everybody i like this movie but it is incredibly uneven oh yeah it is basically like a seesaw through the whole movie and so people you know when i was reading about like people thinking that it's a horror comedy i'm like there there are two jokes in this movie everything else is just brutal and horrible i, I think the comedy so here's the thing i i agree with you that if this was going to fall into one of those two genres it is falling into the horror genre mm-hmm. like this isn't one where you pop it in and it's a laugh a minute yeah i think what the I think what the comedy, where the comedy is for me anyway, beyond like a few of the really funny quote, there's like two or three really funny quotes in this. And we will indeed get to those. But I think the comedy is honestly the whole setup of like, these guys have a perfect plan in their mind, but little did they know that this one girl that the friend brought as a date to be the witness has basically been training for this exact type that's scenario every, her entire life. And that's what I, that's <laughs> like, absolutely why I, I love this movie is like, like, you know, I love a final girl as much as the next guy, but Laurie Strode being able to take on Michael Myers in the first yeah. movie, just being like a shelter yeah. girl, like this one explains it and it explains why. Like, it's not like, yeah, my dad taught me like to be carotid. It's like my dad's psychotic and thinks that there's going to yeah. be an apocalypse, you know? <laughs> So Scott and I have talked about this before, and and it's a conversation that I like to have where I think that there is a very big difference between a final girl and a survivor girl. I think a final girl is just by happenstance. She's the last person that they're coming at. And because of that, she has a little bit more knowledge than everyone else before her to like prepare and a survivor girl survivor girl is actively fighting for her survival in the situation so like i do think that laurie strode in the first halloween is a final girl in the halloween h2o and the you know most recent halloween movie she's a straight up survivor girl she has been plotting and planning and is ready to fight for her survival at that point um, and I think that there is like a distinct, like if you watch a bunch of slasher movies, you will absolutely be like the Prowler is a final. Girl. Yeah, oh yeah, Texas <laughs> dumb, dumb luck that she lived. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like there, you know the difference when you see it. Um, but yeah, this movie, I just like, 
And she's just so charmingly badass. Like, like she's so unfazed by everything that's happening. Like, I think that it's not so much a comedy because of the jokes, but it's like, it's a comedy in that situation of like, all right, here's the premise. Let's just see how it plays out. Like, it's almost like when they refer to it as like improv in a sense, I don't think that this is necessarily they were improving the movie, but like this movie follows the concept of improv's yes and rules where it's like, you're always just supposed to agree with whatever premise is put in front of you and then see what happens from there. And she just like, yes, ends herself into like destroying these people in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So here's one thing that I'll say is that Adam Wingard went on to do Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. That makes sense though, because Godzilla versus Kong doesn't have that much dialogue either. <laughs> I hadn't thought about well, it. Until I also now. think that like a lot of the people that we talk about when like this wasn't his first movie, but no. it was definitely his most notable right. movie. I feel like a lot of the time it's like after that it's just like and then they didn't really do anything else good ever again. Like, you know, like how you feel about House of the Dead or House of the Devil, for example. But like his follow-up to this with The Guest, like, The Guest was also a really fucking awesome movie. I need to see it. It's on, It's been on my list for a long time. I keep forgetting because that's such a boring name. Yeah. If this was his tribute to slasher movies, like, The Guest is his tribute to, like, canon films action movie, where it's just, like, how insane is this pre- premise and how... How offensive can it be? Well, I mean, we kind of knew that he was going to do that when he has a line like, I want you to fuck me on this bed next to your dead mom. I mean, I think that people think maybe people thought that that was funnier in 2011 than it actually hits in 2021. It's pretty inappropriate now. Like the, the dark comedy in this is like because I mean that if that sat by itself and a woman saying that to a guy like and that was just the end of the scene. I feel like you'd be like, well, uh, damn, that's the kind of shit that a guy in 2010 would write for a woman to say, you know, like, fuck that yeah. guy. But then it goes on to like, she's like, he's like, uh, no. And she's like, you never want to do anything interesting. And he's like, um, I don't think that's a fair criticism. And then she's like, well, then fucking next, <laughs> next to your dead mom. And it's the fact that it goes on a little bit almost in the family guy kind of way almost yeah. redeems it but it's still super dark and not really it hasn't aged well like this movie as much as i enjoy two-thirds maybe three-quarters of this movie it has not really aged well in the dialogue department not exactly i think but even like that if we're going to sit down and like deconstruct a joke essentially i don't think that the fuck me next to your dead mom line is the joke, honestly. I think that the joke in that whole setup is the, I don't think that that's a fair yes, criticism. Yes, that is the joke. I, that's what I'm saying is like, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Like that's like, and I, I think that that does work. But man, this movie, I I haven't watched this for a real, I think the last time I watched this was when we did it for Reddit Horror Club. Uh, same, um, same. I, I don't watch, this is the yeah. third time I've watched this movie and I probably won't rewatch it. I, I think it's, I enjoy it for what it is. But it's also something that I can't really like. Be at a party and be like, yo, have you ever seen your next? That movie's fucking yeah. crazy. You should watch it. No. But this movie was probably a blast to watch with an audience in a theater. You know what I mean? Like when it first came out, I have a feeling that this was like one of those movies where like, because the the marketing kind of fucked the movie a little bit. The marketing really was just like, hey, it's just a stranger's ripoff. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was the way it was advertised. So, like, I imagine, like, going to see this movie 
and you're thinking that you're going to get the strangers, right? You're going to get... Was the strangers that much of a phenomenon, though? In 2011? It was only like a year or two after The Strangers came out. The Strangers uh. was 2009. Uh. So like you're setting up this idea of like, okay, we're just going to watch three masked people torture a family. And then out of nowhere, you've just got this girl like smashing in their faces. Like, yeah. And the gore is like really brutal. It's Savini-level gore, you know? It's Savini-level gore. And I think that what makes this movie interesting and like kind of worthy of discussion at a certain point is like in a lot she kills these guys way more horrifically than they were going to kill them (laughs) yeah and she but the thing the funny thing is is that she grabs the dumbest shit to kill them with like she kills one with a meat tender two of them with a meat tenderizer and then i gotta say for a movie that sticks pretty close to reality for most of the kills that blender kill is just fucking absurd like it's not gonna yeah. it's not gonna kill anybody you know and that's fine it's fine this movie does what better watch out want it to be which is like this is a better horror version of home alone than better watch out was that's in the sense of like she's setting up these booby traps and like trying to get these guys like i'm okay with it i like the whole scene in the basement with the light bulbs love it love it <laughs> i don't know man the light bulb part feels a little dated to me. Brian, you're the filmmaker of the group. You tell us. Refresh my memory on it. Light bulb part. What happened? I don't remember. I, um, I had to watch this at work. The, the power's out and the killer's coming down and he's got like a Polaroid or something, right? Or is it a a cell or a, a yeah, digital saying, camera or something? Pictures. A digital camera, I guess. Um, and he's he's snapping pictures just to use the, the flash uh, to catch her trying to be artistic. I, I think they look stupid, but that's just me. I mean, it was enough for me to forget about, so it didn't bother me, you know? <laughs> yeah, but that also isn't singing its praise either. No, I mean, I didn't think... This oh, movie wow, is more than the sum of its parts. I think that's the point. Yeah. You know, like, if you really are tearing it apart, the movie is kind of annoying. Yeah, I think this movie as a whole is fun. Like I said, I probably leaning more towards wrong but right or wrong i like i said before i always watch movies from like a motive lens so if certain things and dialogue are kind of outdated and looked at problematic now if that wasn't their intention it doesn't really catch my eye unless it was like a hateful movie but like this movie alone i mean when she runs through the door right when she she that is like arguably the best scene of the movie like that is like that shows you the gore that you're in for it is just because just, of that, the buildup. I had to look away. Yeah. That that oh. was that oh, was still gnarly to me. Oh, and then when Barbara Crampton is screaming, "My baby, my baby!" Like that's what yeah. I'm saying about this movie being so uneven. Yeah. Like it's super dark, and then there's the you know I don't think that's a fair criticism kind of quotes, and yeah. I don't do well with that. I don't know why. What there is, what the problem with my personality is, but I just can't. You know, I can't go between super dark and and super light. I think a perfect death of a child is scream in the beginning and uh, that's the one thing i saw was perfect no because it's no let me explain the mother screams in horror and then it cuts to the intro like i don't i'm watching yes. a slasher movie Thank i don't you. need to see a parent mourn their child's yes. death yeah <laughs> says the guy who loves hereditary <laughs> but that's different that's not a no it's not movie. we just had a yes, conversation no. about it you know like whether no, or not I'm we saying, should be calling hereditary a horror movie it, it's horror yeah. but there's like hey, your stomach is going to be in knots for the next two hours. You yeah. know what I mean? Either enjoy the yeah. ride or get off the bus as opposed to like, oh my God, I lost my only son. And guess what? She was going to have a baby to 
well, that's not very fair assumption. Waka waka. <laughs> I agree with the unevenness because it's like, imagine that scene happening. The girl's throat gets slit. She's sitting there bleeding on the ground, and the mother's like, my baby. And as she bends down, she rips a loud <laughs> fart, and it's just like, decide I what saw the that one coming of this about movie. a third of a like, second <laughs> in advance, and I was like, please, Matt, say it. Say it. He said the thing. Oh, man. That's how uneven things in this movie can be yeah. at times. <laughs> if, if I want Lloyd Kaufman to redo your next. Let's just do a fart horror movie. Just the guy, the guy booby traps his house and just waits for someone to fart and yells doorknob, and all the booby traps are by the doorknob. We could call it evil ass. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. shard of darkness. Speaking of shitty horror movies, <laughs> shitty horror movies. There we go. Yeah. Facebook's algorithm almost got me today. Almost got me. Spent sixty bucks today for the dumbest thing. It would have got Matt. I know it would have gotten you, Matt. And it almost got me. Where it was like, full moon pictures is $60 a year for the subscription. And if you sign up and pay the, the full $60 up front, we will send you 10 DVDs. And I was like, wow, oh, what is yeah. the And I'm like, I don't even want three DVDs from full moon pictures. <laughs> yeah, that's what oh, I was man. about to say. Like, I, I have a whole... <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Here's how I determine if I would follow that deal. Is it like Columbia House where I get to pick the 10 DVDs or are they just gifting me 10 things that, that they couldn't know. sell? You know, know. You know it's the latter. Absolutely. All, <laughs> you, all you did, all you would do is you would take $60, divide it by 10, and you would say $6 a DVD. That's a bargain. I don't care what I got. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing that's going Brad, through my that's head. That's like, can you are send there, me that link? <laughs> I'll send it to you because no, they I, are Blu-rays too. Yeah. So what I'm legitimately thinking is, are there any full moon movies that I don't already <laughs> own? Because I think I got everything I could ever want from full moon at this point in my life. But who knows? I might find one that I forgot existed. I mean, hey. I'll, I've said this before. And I'm gonna say that Char Chucky Band, I'm sure you're listening. Your your love of your love of your next is well documented. Can you just put out like a box set of all of the 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 picture zone like bonus features that used to end your VHS they, tapes because those things to. were fucking awesome. That would yeah. be they could make bank more than the the next time they put out all the Puppet Masters in a box set because they've done that what twenty times yeah. already. It was like Thriller. Remember the Thriller? Yeah. Movie? Yeah, you watch the music video thriller, and then you got 45 minutes of John Landis talking about Michael Jackson. Yeah. Thank God neither one of those guys became problematic later. Yeah, wow. <laughs> wow yeah. Um, you know what's funny is that, that I saw – I went to the thrift store the other day, and I saw Making of Thriller on beta, and it was $20. And I'm like, that seems a little high for beta. And I looked it up on <laughs> eBay, and it was like – it goes for $29. i am like – you're not gonna get twenty nine dollars on eBay, much less twenty bucks in you know in Akron. So yeah, it wasn't high enough to do the flip. No, absolutely <laughs> not. But I did grab a copy of Amityville Horror, the hardcover. So um, anybody mm. who listens and wants that, hit me up. <laughs> Anyone else have notes about your next before oh, we dive into one, double features? One last thing. So Brian apparently has a boner for um, picking A.J. Bowen movies where he is an asshole. Yes. And then 
the inverse is that I seem to very much enjoy watching AJ Bowen get murdered. I don't know what that says about Brian, and I sure as fuck don't know what that says about me. Well, if it makes you feel better, I don't actually know who AJ Bowen is, so I he's I the he's you. the brother that's like uh, the boyfriend of um of the survivor girl, and he's like, you were supposed to be the uh, the innocent witness, and he was also the guy that shoots uh, the babysitter in the, the or the the yeah. babysitter's friend in the face in the yeah House of the Devil. Yeah, yeah Greta Gerwig. He shoots Greta Gerwig oh, yeah. right in the there face. There we go. She went on to direct Woo! Lady Bird. That is some... <laughs> yeah. Man, like we planned it, guys. Let's just say we did. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs... Talk about the blood splatter and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Brian, I'll let you go first because you're probably going to steal the one I was going to steal from you. Well, I'm not going to do Ready or Not. Turn the dread gonna... Hey, guys, I think I'm going to pick the town the dreaded sundown again. No, <laughs> Matt, Matt kind of picked mine. So I want to see. I didn't pick anything yet. Anything. Yeah, but you're you made first. reference to it. So you can still take it. So All right, I'll do The Strangers. Because I love oh, The Strangers. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Are you seriously upset really you picked The Strangers? That's like the easiest... Matt, you're smart. No, than that. I was going to take Ready or Not, yeah. so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm going to go with Evil Dead 2013 because they are both super gory. And I think that Evil Dead 2013 has a better concept of using comedy. Tone. Yeah. The That's tone Khalil's yeah. favorite movie, favorite horror movie. I love The Deadites. I think that The Deadites in it are so much more what I would write for the dead that hate the living. You know, like they're like, I'm going to tear my skin off and make the possessed feel every second of it. I can't get over Jane Levy. Being in that movie. Yeah. She's just so sweet. I'm going to watch it in October. I haven't watched it since 2013, actually. But it's on oh. my... Um, to I had to put it on my 31 days of Halloween because me and Jade are going to do that. And I'm like, I really need some like good horror movies in the last you know, 10, 15 years because of the amount of like... Bride of Frankenstein, Invisible Man, <laughs> you know, that, that I'm going to put her through. That I'm just like, all right, let's do some things that she'd actually be interested in. So I have that on my list. All right. So real quick, Scott, you already mentioned this real fast. For the what did we watch this week? We're just going to talk about Cruella, but yeah. also R.I.P. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Fuck you, NBC, Wait, for but they, canceling they, it. They, they canceled Zoe? Yeah, they canceled Zoe. Also, fuck you, Jeanette Turner. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, Cruel Summer. Fuck you, <laughs> what Jeanette a twist. Turner, dude. Uh, all right, so Almost. Cruella. Good stuff with Cruella. Craig Gillespie, when we were talking about Fright Night at the beginning of this year, that was when I first realized, oh, shit, the guy who did Fright Night's doing Cruella? My interest in this movie is officially peaked. Yeah. And, yo, this movie's fucking fantastic. You guys loved this it from begin like, to end, huh? 
Oh, I yeah. wouldn't didn't say you? I loved it from begin to end. I didn't love it from begin to end personally, but I like no, it. I it's... didn't like it for the first what? 25 minutes. What? I didn't I, care for I, it. Get off my show. I, I, I'm kind of with you a little bit, Brian, in the sense of like, I know that the CGI Dalmatians knocking her mother off of a cliff was supposed to make me feel a certain way, <laughs> but it, it didn't. That's a, that's a, that's a, uh, what's it called? That is literally a weekend update joke that never yeah. happened. It's just like, like, oh, you know, Disney's making a, a backstory to Corello. What happened? Did her mother get killed by Dalmatians? You know, and it's like, no, that's what they did. Okay. But what I liked about this movie was that it was very much like the Joker movie that came out two years ago, except it was fun to watch. Yeah, <laughs> um, I was, I was so, hoping that you were going that yeah, way. So like, so like, I, I actually said that this is like the perfect intersection of like the Joker, Phantom of mm-hmm. the Paradise, and RuPaul's Drag Race, like all just like <laughs> in one giant melting pot for me is what this movie was. That is fantastic. I love that. I mean, I just think the movie looks so fun, even the bad CGI. And you think that in 2021, Disney wouldn't let bad CGI go go to press, but they did. There's yeah. a lot of bad CGI and in there's a lot of It's scenes. not a perfect movie no. at all. And there's a lot of CGI where you're like, you couldn't just Why? train a chihuahua to bring a wallet to somebody. <laughs> like, okay, so don't talk shit on Wink. That dog is the best part of the oh, movie. Oh, I love Wink. I'm just yeah. saying. Apparently, they're really hard. Maybe. They're, apparently, they're very, very hard to train. Chihuahuas? Dalmatians. Oh, I've heard oh, that Dalmatians. from a few people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they're assholes. There are all these TikToks <laughs> about, like, after every time that Disney reissues 101 Dalmatians, there's a surge in people that will purchasing purebred Dalmatians. And then like six months down the road, they're all going to shelters and getting euthanized because they're impossible dogs to handle. Yeah. And and people are like, I'm going to get a Dalmatian puppy for my kid because they love 101 Dalmatians. And I'm just like, you basic motherfuckers. Don't fucking do that. <laughs> Don't get your kid anything living Ever. Yeah. So real quick so we can wrap this up, but is there any scenes in Cruella that you just want to give a quick shout out as like a standout moment for you? Because there's one that has been playing rent free in my is head it the, for like a week. Is it the, uh, the, the trash dress? Because that's the one for me. I mean, that is fantastic. For me, there's some savage moments in this movie. Like when I say that it reminds me of RuPaul's Drag Race, it is because <laughs> they are making dresses the way that they do on RuPaul's Drag Race, where it's like, yeah. here's a pile of trash, make a dress. But it's also got that drag queen level of snark that you can only get out of a drag queen. So for me, it's her showing up in a dress that looks like it's made out of Dalmatian fur to fuck with the Baroness. <laughs> <laughs> while Art is singing, now I want to be your dog, and all I was thinking of was someone super like you the whole time I was watching that sequence. Yes. <laughs> like, yes! Like, I was just like, Love this it. is the coolest thing. Like, there was, maybe it was because it was the first movie I've seen in a movie theater since the pandemic, but there was a moment where I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in a movie theater. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, I just like the edits. I really liked how I like the the edits and like you said, this director's becoming one of your favorite directors. Anytime I see on the cast list Paul Walter Hauser, I get a little bit excited. Dude, he's so he good. Is, yeah, he's just a great guy. He is a. I mean, I don't know him as a person. I'm just, just assuming he's, a, he's great, great when great he's great in actor. anything, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so God forbid he diddled some child ten years from now. You can't cancel me. I said he's a great actor. I know nothing about his personal life. <laughs> 
I'm like, thank you for taking that that extra step to protect yourself, Brian. <laughs> Talking about the edits real quick, like there's barely, I don't think there's a shot that holds for more than five seconds in this movie. Like it is just cut, 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 yeah. cut, cut, which helps it yeah. move. It's it, like a music video for two and a half hours. It really is. And it, it doesn't really feel like two and a half hours. Like there's not like points in the movie where I'm like, well, this isn't going anywhere. Like the plot line moves, which is nice. We watched it over two mm-hmm. nights, which is why I didn't feel like it was two and a half hours because it literally wasn't for us. I, uh, I was watching in a theater and I suddenly had to pee and I was like, all right, maybe it's a good time for me to to bounce out of this theater real quick. And then they're like, all right, guys, let's go in for the final heist. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm not leaving this theater until the credits roll then. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, sometimes it's hard for me to focus watching shit at my house because of, like, my phone is easily there. I will, I will give – I don't even want to give them credit, but the truth is – as soon as you pay $30 to watch a movie from the comfort of your home, you are like, <laughs> I am focusing on this. <laughs> All right. Well, that that was your next, followed by a, a little Cruella review. And we will be back next week with one of my picks, which in keeping on brand with my picks of late, will take us back to the 1950s. So strap in. And uh, bring your breathalyzer. Yeah, bring a breathalyzer. Have a good time. We will be back next week. Love you guys. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. (sighs) Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.